Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. And Cooper puts it in with both Rangers running. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time. Knowing that really, all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Welcome to the latest episode of the Here We Go podcast. Well, lot to discuss this evening. A pretty bruising trip to Ibrox yesterday. There's no, there's no beating around the bush, let's just get into it. So, unfortunately, you can't shake me off, you can't shake Richard off, we're both back. But to balance that off and entice you to listen, we've brought back uh, a big hitter in the world of Aberdeen. Aberdeen fandom and journalism. Um, Michael Grant, welcome welcome once again to the show. Hi, Martin. Hi, Richard. Uh, getting bigger. I'm not sure if that's what you mean, Sal, but I uh, feel, feel like I'm getting bigger. It was meant in the most most complimentary way. I don't know if it was that kind to kind of go with Aberdeen fan first and journalist second, though, uh, Martin. I'm not sure that was the, that was necessarily the right way around. But... <laughs> I'm comfortable. I'm okay with that. I'm all right. And obviously, now that now that Ben's left the Times as well, Richard, you know that Michael's Michael's position as top top red there is just is unimpeachable now. Unless he fancies converting Spears. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we'll want him. Anyhow, enough of that. Let's get on to the game. So we had a I had a, like I said a pretty bruising trip to Ibrox yesterday. Richard, I'm going to come to you first. Now there was a lot of bragging in the build up. There was a lot of positivity. Let's no, no. I I trust that you're not going to call me out on my comments last week, where I got slightly carried away. I uh, think you you will be the bigger man, and you won't mention my comments. At However, this at this point, I'm not going to do that, Martin. I'm going to wait until we come to the tactical discussion, and then okay. I'm going to string you out to dry. Because I do, because I know you're the type. Of, I know you are the type of man that likes to keep some keep the receipts. So. <laughs> um, but, but you know, we were all feeling, I think, a bit positive after a couple of wins on the bounce. Um, and recovering quite well from that absolute capitulation at Dundee United. You know, we saw what was happening at Ibrox. We saw that, obviously, on the European front, they were taking some fearful doings. I think we all appreciated that those are from teams who are many levels above the teams they'll face in Scotland. Um, But we also saw that, you know, in the last couple of home games against Dundee and Livingston, they had really, really struggled, and the crowd had got on their back. And, you know, we thought that, there was something there for us to work on. We knew it would still be difficult. I think most of us at least knew it would still be very difficult. Yeah, the manager himself uh, was about as giddy as uh, a couple of guests on a podcast uh, last week during some of his pre-match interviews. Um, you know, we want to see how good we are as a group. Um, I mean, that's fine. You, you want to go and test yourself against one of the best teams, certainly one of the most well-funded teams in the country. That, that's good. You want, you want to see how far you've progressed in quite a short space of time. I think he'd made reference as well to the fact that 
a few weeks into the job, he'd uh, gone to Ibrox uh, as Aberdeen manager and he'd set out a very safety first team in an attempt to, to get a point to stifle Rangers. We didn't really have any plan there as to how we were going to attack and consequently we didn't attack, I don't think over the 90 minutes barely. Uh, and, it, and it didn't come a million miles away from actually achieving what it set out to do because they, they only got the goal I think in the 78th minute or something like that. But I mean it's the old uh, Ebskovdal line isn't it that the uh, uh, the operation went well but the patient died and that's what happened last time out. This time again we'll come and talking more about the game uh, in a few minutes but this time the operation definitely didn't go well. Um, again, there's one thing building up your own team, and you know he was saying words that like, we're in a very, very good place right now. But I think also to kind of say at the same time that they are not in a great place just now. I think there was a, a failure to actually recognise the the resources that they have available to them and the strength that re- they really have compared to the rest of the league. As I say, them getting hammered by Napoli or Liverpool bears no reference unless they have some kind of hangover. It, it's not going to make any um, difference to the relative strengths in a domestic league game for them. So um, I don't think he said anything too over the top. I I'm I don't know. It's the whole kind of thing, oh, they'll be pinning that in the dressing room. Do you think that really happens these days, Michael? Do you think uh, opposition managers really take notice of what's said in press conferences and inspire their teams that way? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right, because, I mean, a lot of stuff on social media these days, isn't it? So you think, what, are they pinning tweets to dressing room walls now? Sort of thing? <laughs> um, I mean, Van Bronckhorst is, is not the type to get uh, at all moved or rattled by any of, this, any of that stuff. Right? And with you, Richard, I, I really cannot uh, bring myself to get worked up about uh, or, or too animated about what uh, Jim Goodwin said. I don't, I don't think he said anything that was out of order or, or, or provocative or, or controversial. Um, I, you know, I, I do think he was in, he's entitled to say that, that, that they're not in a good place because I mean, I've seen a fair bit of Rangers recently, and um, obviously, you know, getting getting spanked left, right, and centre in Europe. But also, they've not been good domestically. They they, they squeezed a, a win at Motherwell. They squeezed a win at home at Dundee, both by a single goal, and then they were, they drew at home to Livingston. Now, you know, the, the the problem that Rangers as a team have, or the manager has, is of course the fans don't uh, you know don't uh, happily tolerate that. So you had them getting booed off against uh, Dundee and booed off against Livingston. So, you know, that is the kind of climate of negativity that I thought Aberdeen might be able to capitalise on, but, you know, by having a, a good start to the game and scoring first. And, of course, they, they, they did get that goal. But I, I turned to the guy beside me in the press box and I said, the next 10 minutes are massive here. Because if Aberdeen can kind of, you know, consolidate and... and uh, and, and settle, then that, that crowd would turn on Rangers um, uh, and, and become quite toxic. Now, we, we know it didn't happen. They, they were only ahead for six minutes. But, no, to, to answer your, your question, Rachel, I, I, I'll be honest, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get too worked up about uh, Goodwin's comments. I, I, you know, I noticed it in, the, in the, you know, some of my media colleagues. You know, it's almost like you daren't say anything when you go and play Rangers or Celtic in case you're you're perceived as being cocky and, and you know, yeah. ideas about your station. And you think, well, hold, hold on a second. You know I mean? You're entitled to express some confidence, you know? I mean, what we're supposed to do is just kind of come in with our heads bowed and kind of avoid eye contact. So, you know, you're entitled to have a bit of confidence when you go to these places. 
I think that's fair, but I, th- I think what I will say is that there were some big words from the manager on the back of you know what's essentially been two league wins since that yeah. Paradise game. Uh, yeah. One of them was against Hearts, which in the end probably deserved it, but they had some huge opportunities that they squandered to get the first goal, which would have been quite crucial. And then Motherwell game was pretty even. It's not as if we went there and steamrolled them. So I, I thought there were some pretty big words, and you want to you want to obviously engender a confidence within the group. That's really important and really key with a, a young team that's still learning. Um, so no, I think when you look back to those comments, I don't think they're nearly as uh, over the top as as they're being perceived in, in some quarters of the Aberdeen support, really, because you know that that's what I'm seeing that some people are coming out and saying that um, you know he was he was over the top last week. I think it's okay. To, to be confident in your own group and, and say that, you know, you believe in your team going there. I just thought maybe we didn't have enough evidence to draw. And I mm. talked about last week's win at Motherwell having a bit of substance. Absolutely. But it's only a bit. It's only the start. This is not mm. yet a team who are in any way, shape or form a, a fully finished uh, article. And um, we still, I think, have this fragility about us. And uh, I think that has to be acknowledged before you start saying that you're in a really good place right now because it is once again only a few weeks since that Dundee United game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, just briefly uh, before we come back in, Martin. I mean, uh, you're right. I mean, it does seem like five minutes since Tannadice, <laughs> uh, and and we've all enjoyed uh, the three was it three wins in a row in, in between, um, and it, you know we've all we've all latched onto it. And I, I think you're maybe going to talk about that that we you know we, we did. I don't know about getting carried away, God. Well, we know if, if Fallen Aberdeen can be joyless enough as it is, I mean, we're allowed to enjoy the, you know, the, the, the brief brief flurries of, of good of good play and goals, you know. And and I am enjoying the amount of goals that the team is um, promising to deliver us this season, you know. But um, but yeah, maybe we did get a little bit ahead of ourselves. But um, you know, I don't apologise for that because we we get enough kicks in the. Kicks and nuts, so to speak, you know, and uh, and yesterday was another one. Yeah, I just wonder if there's maybe a kind of North thing going on here. You know, Goodwin's obviously, he's not Glaswegian, but he's lived down there for 15, 20 years. You, you know how we as a, we're not quite so keen to be quite so sabre rattling up here. I would I would say that's my interpretation. That might be a bit of stereotyping yeah. gone wrong. Uh, we prefer to do our work quietly, I think, uh, whereas I think the Glaswegians have a slightly, slightly different approach. So maybe that's what's kind of um, feeding into the, the the sort of mini backlash that's, uh, that's happening out there. Do, do you think, guys, though, I mean, it, it, it's difficult, I think, for an average manager to get the tone right and get the words right because... You know, we would probably be on his back as well if 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 he sounded too downbeat and too defeatist about going to Ibrox or Parkhead. You know, I think um, you know when, when we're scrutinising so closely, I think it is quite difficult for him to get the tone right. Yeah, I mean that that's the the phrase I put that uh, when it was being questioned before the game, even before the horror show kind of unfolded about whether he should have been saying these things. I think he's, he is a little bit damned if he does and damned if he didn't. Uh, but there are, of course, as you'll know, Michael, ways of playing a press conference and just playing it with yeah. an absolutely straight bat. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Goodwin's a fairly, fairly polished kind of media uh, performer. I, I don't know. I know up until recently he was doing his stuff by uh, Zooms. 
Um, and by recently, I mean a matter of weeks ago. Not, I'm not talking about during lockdown. So I, I don't know whether they they have um, relaxed that and let reporters back in, which is, is is normally better in terms of being able to get a message across than than doing so, so over a Zoom. But uh, but listen, you know, uh, he speaks clearly enough. I don't think uh, I don't think anybody got the wrong end of the stick in terms of what he was trying to say last week. Well, I was going to ask you about that because I because I know that you've obviously whether on Zoom or face to face spent some time with him. You have that. Uh, you had that piece at the start of the season, uh, which went into a bit more detail about his background, which um, we shared, and certainly a lot of people really enjoyed getting that uh, background into him. But it, I, I would say that I don't think there's anything last week to really get on about, but there's certain things he said along the way, and the key one, obviously, which will hang around his neck for as long as he's at Pedodri, probably, is that oh, the defending will be easy to fix. I think there's been a few, <laughs> few slips that are just... Uh, yeah, it, it's. I, I suppose yeah. we were very used for a long time for eight years a manager who was very cautious in these situations. So to have have someone that's going to um, kind of come out with these little slips from time to time is a little bit unusual. Yeah, and and I mean he talked in, in two or three the the kind of main main kind of set piece interviews he did early in, in in taking the job. He talked about playing a back four and being a back four man most of the time, didn't he? So um, you know, he's 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 kind of thrown that out over the last few weeks and and I do wonder if uh, I think we might I, see I, that back soon. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if that uh, experiment will, will go. I mean there's nothing listen, there's nothing wrong with three five two, of course there isn't you know, it did get a lot of the the players that we wanted to see on the pitch from the start on the on uh, at Ibrox, but God, it demonstrably didn't work, you know. So uh, personally, I would prefer going back to four, and I think that's what we might see sooner rather than later. Just to nip back to something there, Michael. Um, Richard mentioned the old pinning it on the dressing room wall. I don't suppose you've ever had feedback of any of your articles made on a dressing room wall. Have you been told about that? <laughs> um. No, I mean, listen, I've had run-ins with managers, uh, but no- nothing, nothing in terms of kind of. Uh, you know, motivational stuff ahead of games or whatever. Um, no, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think. Well, listen, they all tell us they don't read anything that we write. I mean, that, which is uh, which is fair enough. Uh, the problem is we have a lot of people telling us that. Um, but they, do, they all seem to be acutely aware of, of any slight or any criticism uh, that is made of them. But in, in general, I think you know, news is disseminated so many ways now and um you know broadcasting and social media is, is far more prevalent than it used to be i think the days of um of pinning stuff up on dressing room walls for motivation is, is probably long gone i i look at the rangers players and think you know the idea of them getting agitated about a, 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 a jim goodwin headline is, <laughs> is pretty ridiculous to be honest and as i say van bronckhorst you know he's a pretty uh, pretty impressive bloke, actually. He's a pretty decent guy, and you know, all the rest of it. It, it. It's just not going to be his modus operandi, you know. Wait, you're not going to give it the whole. Oh, I've had run into a manager's. Then just leave it at that. Come on. Um. Oh, what's the what was the best one? Well, I mean, Roy Aitken. I hope, so I hope you have any, you're not lining up any of these people for uh, interviews <laughs> down the line. You know, I've trapped myself here. Uh, Roy Aitken was a difficult, difficult. At Aberdeen to uh, I was going to say to like um, uh, but you might agree with that uh, to work with, he was a difficult guy to work with, I was pretty new in the door at the P&G and uh, you know there's there's a kind of understanding that there's going to be a bit of a relationship between the local paper and the 
the club and uh, Roy seemed to see that kind of one way, which would be that you know the the, the coverage would be pretty uncritical um, and uh, borderline fawning, and in return he would uh, give us nothing and uh, nothing at all in terms of favouritism um, or interviews for that matter. We you know we didn't get clear interviews, um, and that came to a head. We won down at Tyne Castle. Uh, let me get my chronology right. It would be not long after winning the League Cup. Uh, won at Tyne Castle midweek game to go second in the league. Uh, I thought we were a bit lucky and I thought didn't really deserve it and kind of said so in the match report, didn't think anything more about it. A couple of days later, went back down for a normal press conference at Petodian Friday and was called into a side room and Roy Aiken was there and he had my match support with various bits that he had circled, which he didn't like, which he regarded as being negative and uh, uh, unsupportive from the local paper. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, we talked it out and um, uh, Aberdeen then went on an absolutely dire run of results that seemed to go on for months and obviously sank down the league from second and ended up with Roy Aitken losing his job a few months ago. Uh, sorry, a few months later. And um, uh, there we have it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll not tell you whether I was pleased or otherwise <laughs> or, or felt vindicated at all by that outcome. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, that was, uh, that was one of the highlights. Yeah, I think I remember that one. I think it was the same time, exact same sort of time that he came out with, oh, you know, we deserve more fans coming out to watch our football. We're second in the league. We're playing well, yada, yada, yada. And then, yeah, it was like three wins out of 22 to the end of yeah. the season kind of idea. So, yeah. He, he, also, he also, if you remember, we played Kaunas and uh, we won the away leg. Uh, God, my memory's awful, Four but ones. I think we won. Four, four one, yeah, and and ahead of the second leg, Pedro he kind of promised a goals feast for the fans. <laughs> I was like, okay, was. I mean that's bold. Never mind Jim Goodwin stuff. I mean that that's bold, you know. Uh, and it was, as you say, Richard, it, it was, it sure was. Um, not quite in the way that he imagined. We almost cocked it up and went out of the bloody tournament. Um, so I remember that one as well, you know. But um, yeah, listen, you know, he won us, he won us the league cup, so uh, that's all. <laughs> That's off to that. He said, "Damning with faint Well, see, we've lightened the mood there, so um, it's only fair we go back to back to the back to the pain. Um, so let's have a look at some of the well, we'll look at some of the tactical stuff. This is what you're waiting for, Richard. Um, Jim Goodwin gave us what a lot of us wanted to see. Um, yeah, yeah, and it it wasn't just um, you know, I can throw up the example of me. Asking you and Phil last week, um, I sort of giving you giving you the the sort of easy ball lob up in the air. He's surely going to do what we what we saw at Parkhead in the open day of the season, isn't he? It's going to be four five one, play it safe, just you know try and increase the agitation amongst the home support. Um, you know it's all very well trying to say go there and just be bold. That's what we've been doing. Let's go there to win. But, you know, that's okay for us fans to say that. We're allowed to get ahead of ourselves. We're allowed to get carried away. The manager is paid not to do that. The manager is paid to be smart about these things. Um, And, you know, it's... I, in a way, admire it, but how quickly it was seen to be going wrong for then nothing to be done until the game was gone after an hour, when frankly we'd spent an hour being absolutely bombarded. 
it was it was bizarre. It, it was almost as if he'd been paralysed on the touchline just by events in front of him. It it was exposed so early. It was it was clear within the first ten minutes that we were going to be in for a brutal afternoon at the back, and if we survived, it would have been a miracle, an absolute miracle, because it was three on three. It was it you know the the, the system as it was the three five two. It could so easily have been a five three two if you'd asked your fullbacks to to be a little bit more defensive minded. Um, and then, you know, you're looking for them then maybe to go up and support the midfield and support the strikers. And that's, you know, it's a change of mindset, absolutely. And it means that you probably won't get quite as far at the park, but you are making sure that their wide men in their system, which was a 4-2-3-1, which became a 4-3-3, are going to be broadly doubled up on. There was none of that. The wing backs were so far advanced, as they had been at Fur Park the, the, the week before, and they'd done to really good effect. But it's a completely different ball game playing against Motherwell as it is playing against that team on Saturday. And I mean, there's confidence and there's bravery. But when things when, you know, I'm an idiot. I know next to nothing about football tactics, Martin, but I could see what was happening in front of me. Everyone could see what was happening in front of me. And there's one thing getting it wrong from the start. There's another thing not making the changes and just crossing your fingers and hoping and Really, that's what it felt like on Saturday. Yeah, sorry, but uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you, uh, Richard. And I think um, looking at some of the criticism that Goodwin's had since then from the Aberdeen support, uh, it's been about that uh, failure to change, isn't it? It's, 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 it's not not even so much the kind of starting formation. It is that that, uh, as you say, almost like you know paralysis uh, until what was it, sixty third minute with substitutions and the kind of. The tactical change to uh, to to a four now, um, yeah, yeah. Listen, I, managers managers always think that their system will work. Uh, I don't just mean at the beginning. I mean even you know they think that it'll turn a game. But as you say, it was it was pretty apparent, um, you know, well well before half time. That, uh, that that Aberdeen were really struggling, and, and it, it it was asking too much of Mackenzie and Richardson on the day they just weren't capable of it. I mean, the amount of times Sakala, for example, seemed to be finding space, and and, and you're looking around saying, where, where is Mackenzie? You know, he, he, he's he's bearing down on scales, and you think, sorry, where's Mackenzie? Here? And yeah. it's just time and time again, and, and the same could be said on the other side. Um, so that that was uh, yeah yeah I think that is the big takeaway, isn't it? That um, but Jim Goodwin, you know, had the system they went with, but was much slower than most of us would have wanted to 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 change it um, into the second half. Yeah, and listen, hindsight is absolutely twenty twenty. Always, there would have been a perfect time, I think, to change it, and that's when you, you we got the goal and we went ahead. And we'll yeah. speak a little bit more about that later. But um, to to not change it at all and still be, you know hoping that your number 25 black comes up um, still long into the second half. I, I just find it bizarre. I really, it, it was as if he'd just been spooked by the total failure of his pre-match plan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, listen, I mean, Mackenzie and Richardson are, are, you know, they're not guys with a vast amount of playing experience. Certainly, you know, Richardson at, at, at this level, Mackenzie at all. And then, of course, in between them, you also had uh, Clarkson and Barron, you know, a 21-year-old and a 20-year-old. I mean, you, you ask a lot of these kids at uh, Ibrox, I don't think they, they were the worst and uh, enjoyed Barron's goal immensely. Um, but, you know, you throw all that together uh, and, 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 you know, as you say, a, a back three that is getting 
caught one on one with uh, a, a front three at, at Rangers, and you know, and when they scored, of course, the atmosphere does change, and it, you know, they get a hell of a lift from that fifty thousand who. Let's not kill ourselves on. They want to give Aberdeen a thrashing. They enjoy that. Uh, and when the sense is on, then th- there's a there's a real atmosphere about the place. So it became a real trial. Um, you know, I, I liked the fact that Duke and Mayowski were were both on the pitch at the, at the kickoff. And you know, if 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 you if any of us here were going to be looking at a different formation, you're probably looking at having to drop one of them, or or um or maybe play Duke a little bit deeper or something. Um, and and I liked that you know that um. Well, Miowski had a poor game, obviously, but you know Duke. Duke, I thought was 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 pretty good all the way through. He, he, he was a bit of a handful, and he kind of made the goal for us. Um, but yeah, yeah. Listen, the the problems were at the, at the wings and at the back, and um, you know three three at Easter Road, four at Tannadice, four now at Ibrox. Uh, you know, it's 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 becoming a recurring. You know, I was going to say a flaw. God, it's a Mariana's trench. What problem with the team? It's, it's far too many goals conceded, uh, and it's casting out the good work because you know we're enjoying the number of goals we're scoring. It's 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 been a long time since we've uh, felt a bit potent. I mean, it, God, you guys will tell me, but is it something like fifteen out of eighteen games? I think there's only two games we haven't scored in this season. Would that be right? Backhead and Tannadice. It sounds right. I'd need to check, but it sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I mean that, you know, that, that's that's a, a big improvement for Aberdeen. There's there's um, there's been a lot of one nils and, uh, and 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 so on over the McInnes years, especially. So I like that, but uh, God, the defence can be painful to watch. Yeah, and you know, Mackenzie and Richardson had the, a lot of critics before this, and a lot of people will be pointing the finger individually at those two. But uh, you know, for all that, I I don't think certainly Richardson does well defensively. I think that was tactical yesterday. I think that was more. They were so far at the park because that was the instruction. I don't think that yeah. was down to them not recognising where they need to be in the park. I think that was purely down to, right, this is how we're going to do it. It is going to be, it's not going to be a 3-4-2, sorry, a 3-5-2, 3-4-2 would have been even more troubling. 3-5-2 with the ball and then really back into a shell of a of a sort of 5-4-1 without the ball. No, this is going to be, we're going to be this out open. We're going to be this expansive. You need to hold your positions this far at the park. Mm. But it was, it was chaos. It was just, and as I say, even up to the point that we scored, it was remarkable. It was still nil-nil at that point. But the goal we do get, and and you're right, there's a lot to like about it. It's it's a lovely ball from Clarkson. Just um, putting... Lopez in a one-on-one against King. I mean, Lopez does King, what, three, four, five, six times um, yeah. before uh, eventually getting fouled. And, uh, you know, maybe that would have been a way to play out the game if we just let Lopez keep the ball and uh, sort of beat King repeatedly until halftime. We might have got a result out of this. Um, if, 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 Richard, if you're looking for uh, tiny crumbs of comfort, and, and, and we, let's be honest, we are. We, we are. we are. We're, we're sifting this wreckage for something. Like, uh, you might be amused to watch Alan McGregor at that goal because um, oh, I have. Duke, Don't worry. <laughs> Duke puts him on his backside about three times. <laughs> Never mind uh, Leon King. McGregor's diving one way and the other and back up and down again. It's, it's uh, you know, if, uh, we're, you know, grateful for small mercies here. But... <laughs> there was that and there was uh, there was then um, Tavernier also sort of pointing at the balls just like clearly taking Duke's foot and not actually reacting to Conor Barron <laughs> stepping up and hammering it in. Know, so that, right, that was also right. quite glorious it has to be said. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah. God, it was a short-lived glory. Um, yeah, then you're thinking, okay, great, you've, you've got something now. And I suppose 
certain managers of the recent past would have absolutely gone into game management mode there. But you know what? Game management isn't a bad thing. <laughs> Most of the top, top managers know how to do it and they do it very, very well. It's not a dirty word. Um, mm. Whether it would have changed the overall result of the game, who knows? Hindsight is, as I say, twenty twenty. But, you know, if you wanted an out, an out from a system that was getting repeatedly exposed, there was your moment. That, that was your opportunity to have the out and say that I've changed, oh, because of the game situation's changed, not because my tactics were wrong. The game situation's changed. I can, I can retrench and we can go again. We can reset and go again. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And the point I touched on a minute ago about the crowd, I mean, I know it's it's not a sophisticated point and it's not a tactical point, but, but by God, the atmosphere would have turned really toxic against Rangers if if Aberdeen had been able to sit on that lead and, and, yeah. you know, and get to half-time. And that's not insignificant because it starts to spook them, they start to hurry past as their decision-making falls apart. We've seen it in recent games. I mean, you know, a world away in quality, but you saw it against Liverpool. They just mm-hmm. got completely spooked, and um, you know uh, it would have it would have risen the, raised the stress levels greatly for the Rangers players and manager. But of course, um, it, you know none of that. It's all academic because the lead was only there for six minutes. And Rangers reacted well to to going behind. Um, we have to accept that they did. They played they they played well, and they ruthlessly exposed our limitations. Uh, as much as this podcast shouldn't be a place for it ever saying anything like that but they did play well and certain individuals who you know have uh, not really shown over the past sort of 18 months like Kent and Sakala uh, proved why they command such big wages I suppose. Um, I've spoken about Mackenzie and Richardson maybe not deserving of the individual fingers being pointed at and being almost like a victim of the, the setup, but someone who, who did disappoint me yesterday and made matters worse. I, I thought that uh, Ramadani really, really struggled with the movement of Tillman, uh, and because of that, because he he continually let him go, it was just another body to uh, for that back three to deal with, and just another mm-hmm. acres of space to exploit for Tillman because Ramadani just wasn't. Um, wasn't matching his runs and, and wasn't uh, being aware of where he was. Now, again, he's had a good start to his Aberdeen career. I, I don't want to needlessly call him out, but again, we shouldn't get into the point where we start to properly idolise and not actually look at the limitations of some of these players because mm. yesterday he was miles off it and there's been a couple of other games, the sort of bigger games, I'm thinking Parkhead at the start of the season, Easter Road, where... Again, he's just not um, sort of stepped up when you want someone in that position with that experience in this sort of team as well. 27, I think he is, 28, which in in the context of this team is is one of the senior players. And he's just been really found wanting. Um, What I found interesting yesterday was that, you know, you look at the pass uh, success rates of the team and Clarkson and Barron's hold up pretty well. But McCrory, Scales and Ramadani are all sitting around the 60, 65 mark. And uh, mm. if those three, the three who are going to be on the ball so much, are really and and should generally have easy pass options to find, are having those sort of numbers, it, it, it means that you're barely even getting out of your own defensive third. Yeah, and and I mean every 
every failed or intercepted pass by them is probably putting the team in trouble, you know, because as you say, that you know, the centre halves and to an extent Ramadani should be should be knocking the ball around amongst themselves, you know, relatively comfortably. Um you know, albeit Rangers can press you. Uh, so if their if their figures are as low as that then, you know, that, that shows you that they were they were giving the way giving the ball away and under pressure. Right, right, I agree with you about Ramadani. He is a senior player, um Richard, isn't he? I mean, you know, I think we'd all have our eyebrows raised if he was dropped, for example. I mean, he's just you just take it for granted that he'll he'll start every week. I I think by and large he's been okay uh, over the course of the season and you know, good signing. But I totally agree with you. I thought at Parkhead he 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 struggled to to just stay in the game. It was almost as if he was kind of taken aback by just the kind of pace and and the, uh, the you know the movement of Celtic. And listen, you know, he's not alone in that. But um, yeah, there, there have been some games where you thought, oh, right, okay, uh, not not a good day at the office for the, for him. And you know that's probably, to be honest, the level we should be expecting. Again, the whole kind of the sort of players that end up at Aberdeen are not going to be world beaters, and especially ones who are 26 years old, 27 years old already, however old he is. Um, so you know he's been very effective in some games, and he's been completely outclassed in others. And you know that, that's fair enough, frankly. That's that's no more or less than I was expecting. It's just that there's been a sort of cult built around certain players, and I don't think he's one that's really deserved the, the sort of so what the only one right now and he who did improve uh, his standing on the back of Saturday was as you've spoken about earlier Michael uh, Luis Lopez who who again I, I thought showed that he's probably not going to be with us too much longer yeah yeah absolutely I mean you know even against uh, Rangers defenders who are going to be amongst the best he's going to face I just thought he was a handful you know um, he didn't get much in the way of clear-cut chance he had a header uh, at the start of the second half, which you know maybe could he have left it? Maybe it was Miowski better place behind him? Um, but you know it's easy for us to say that amongst the kind of you know we're not hearing the kind of noise and all the rest of it. Uh, but I just thought he was strong. He was quick. He was willing uh, as, as he always is. But you know sometimes players of all teams don't show up in these kind of games. I thought he did show up. Um, I thought he was a constant kind of outlet for us, an option for us. Um, you know, I loved his involvement in the goal. Uh, I wish he could have scored it himself because he kind of deserved it at the end of that move. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I, listen, I was going to say a major plus point. Probably the only, uh, the only borderline plus point of the day really was uh, was Duke. You know, I thought um, he could he could hold his head up in terms of his contribution at Ibrox. Yeah, yeah, that was really overriding the pudding to say major plus point. I, what I thought from a lot of his display was it. it gave me hope that if we were to revert back to the 4-2-3-1 what we have been playing that you've got another player that can play there who can probably really play that quite effectively because I thought his physicality was great up against their back line yeah yeah and you need, you need that don't you you know um, I do you know, think but, that in this league yeah yeah I mean there was, a, there was another attack in the first half that we had a lot of bodies up uh, I can't remember I don't think it came to anything but I thought well you know this is this is the kind of plus side of, of that system that you could get numbers up in, the, in support of attacks. And, I mean, how many times over the years have we had one isolated striker at Ibrox and, you know, it's so easily pocketed by defenders. Now, you know, for the goal, you know, there's Barron making exactly the kind of run and movement, you know, and supporting and suddenly he's there and finishing it while, while Taverni is trying to deny a penalty, you know. <laughs> um, so, that you know, that was great. But... Um, but yeah, no, I listen. Um, yeah, I, I like Duke, but I didn't. Uh, you know, wasn't much else to like. 
No, and I suppose that's the flip side of the tactic, isn't it? That, that sacrificing the three-on-three three at our back was um, meant to kind of open up two versus two up top. And you can see it working at the goal, but we just didn't have sustained enough possession to really to feed the likes of Barron or Clarkson in the first place so that we could actually feed those top two. John, Johnny Hayes, would, I think, would have made a difference had it been him instead of McKenzie on the left. Um, because he gives you... He gives you more attacking, um, more attacking threat and purpose, and, and you know he is a willing runner to get back and and, and put tackles in as well. But but listen, I'm not I'm not at all saying that the system could have worked with our with you know with our squad. But um, I, I always think the team's better with Hayes in it. I must admit. You guys have both referred to obviously with a scoring, and then you know they they then come back um, pretty quickly um, to then be to, to then be two one down at half time, uh, Michael and. We'd taken we'd taken a, a a bit of a battering to be honest in the first half. You know, I think the goal the goal was a, was against the run of play. From for the manager to not make any changes at all um, was was a bit of a head scratcher because at points in that first half we were really chasing shadows. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, as I say, I think the first chance of the second half was. Was uh, was the took chance, wasn't it? You know, I mean, it, 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 it could have gone two each, um, in whether it was forty-seven minutes. But I don't, I don't think it would have made any difference to the outcome of the match. I still think, still think Rangers would have gone on to swamp us because of the, um, you know, the, the stuff that we've talked about. Um, so yeah, no, no changes at halftime was 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 puzzling. Neither, neither to the, the the team nor the. Nor on the formation, and I mean, as I say, sixty-three minutes before the substitutions were made, um, and by that time we were three-one down, and frankly, all over the place. Yeah, I referred to it on the feed yesterday as uh, as being a gambler who's in the hole and it's just chasing his losses, and I, I think there was an element of that that you know, there's no point at two-one down trying to go to a more defensive formation. Um, because you know they would have spent the work uh, the week beforehand. It wouldn't have been even. Um, they would have spent the week beforehand working on the three-five-two setup and working on how best to best to manage that and exploit that. Um, I, I suppose what I do find quite strange is that we've only been using three-five-two for the last what four games. So mm. it's quite odd that he he would be so wedded to that setup and he didn't think that his side would have had the flexibility to shift back and still carry an attacking threat. Um, so I thought that was strange. So much of this is about hindsight. But then again, I think most of us were probably screaming for something to be done just because they wanted something to stem the flow of how this game was going because it was painful viewing. I mean, it, it is interesting, isn't it? Because, um, as you say, he... he... He will have thought through, and in fact, do you know? Was he not quoted saying, "You know, we put an awful lot of thought into how we would approach it." Uh, and you know, managers also plan for for eventualities in games, so they, you know they should, would surely have talked about a what happens if we go a goal down in five minutes. You know, don't basically don't shit the bed if it happens. You know, um, but surely, surely they would have also said, "Right, okay, here's what we do if we go one 0 up." Now, um, it looks as if the plan was we go one 0 up then. You know uh, the system's working. Keep going. See if we get another one. Uh, whereas, as as you said, Richard, it's all hindsight. But another another approach would be to go right. Okay, we're one 0 up. We can change it. You know, we have the option to change it um, and, and go to a back four and just consolidate and try and 
turn this crowd against the, the their team and, and, and worry Rangers that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, and... But it seemed to be whether it's an overestimation of of the of the system and the players uh, or overconfidence or whatever. But he, he clearly just kind of went to to, to go again at at, uh, at one 0 up. Yeah, and there has to be also be an acceptance of the resources that they have. They have, you know, generally accepted they've got better players. You know, it might just be that regardless of what system we played, we would have ended up on that, the end of a sort of hammering like that yesterday against a motivated side who'd suffered quite a lot recently finding their form. But I don't, I, I don't truly believe that that to be the case. You know, I, I think we made it easy for them. I thought we were the perfect opponents for them yesterday by being so open. And um, yeah, I, again, if I can continue to torture the gambling analogy to death, I thought you know to change it at one 0 would have been to walk away from the table, money up, money in your back pocket. You might have lost it at another table later on, absolutely. But what happened was after that we just lost our early winnings and continue to chase it until the game was long, long gone. Have you had betting issues in the last few days? <laughs> I, I don't um, wish to go into that, Michael. Do, do, we, need, do, we, need a, do we need a stage of intervention here or something? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, listen, God, this, this is a, a terrible bloody cliche that you hear, but, you know, there are ways to win a match and there are ways to lose a match. Now, Livy, Livy the week before got a draw with, what was it, Rangers had 73 crosses that they pumped kind of aimlessly into the Livy box, and Livy's central defenders absolutely gobbled them up. They were they were comfortable with what Rangers were doing. Um, obviously, that was that was never the case with us. We were never comfortable with what, with what Rangers were doing from the start. Now, it's a pretty grim watch to, to, um, you know, to, to go to Ibrox and just defend the way Rangers, uh, sorry, the way Livy did. You know, but by, by God, it was it was admirable that they came away with a point from it, given given the resources they have, and you know a, a fraction of even ours. Yeah, I, I, and clearly to do that and the amount of chances that um, the home side no doubt had against Livingston, it, it, you still require an element of luck to do that. However, yeah, 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 all those crosses, that's part of Livingston's game plan as well. Funnel the ball out wide, give them, give them the ball out wide. Clutter the middle. Don't let them through the middle. We did exactly the opposite. The amount of space is mm-hmm. right through the middle of our team. Uh, the first goal, the equalising goal yesterday, is absolutely a prime example of that. Again, because of the system, Scales gets pulled out too far wide, trying to um, close down. Although he's nowhere near, to be fair, just trying to get closer to Sakala. And because of that, there's a massive gap for the ball to be played right through the centre of our team. And, mm. you know, that's where the majority of goals come from, from right in the centre. The amount of goals that come from, you know, come start from a position wide in the park, much, much fewer than goals that come right down the middle. And we were just time after time after time, because of the way we were set up, just... Uh, it, yeah, he got it. He got it badly wrong, and I, I, I'm sure he's reflecting on it today, probably tomorrow, probably for the rest of the week, um, because it's a sort of defeat that should linger because it'll be lingering, lingering with a support. No, I was just going to say, what what have we got before the World Cup uh, break? Is it three games? Hibs, Livingston, and United. Yeah. Now, well, listen, I was going to say all winnable, but I mean, I feel like that's the kind of line we've been coming out with for about a year and a half with Aberdeen, and they, <laughs> they don't then go on to win those three games, and the, the promised land of third or whatever it might be is uh, is never quite reached. But but 
well, they are though, aren't they? I mean, uh, you know, Livingston away on a Tuesday night is going to be bloody difficult. Uh, if they if they don't beat Dundee United, then come on, let's just call it a day and wrap up this podcast for good. You know, I mean, uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm You'll not just dismissing off, Michael. <laughs> cockroaches and nuclear winter and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I only mean it because you know, God, if they're not motivated to turn Dundee United over what, after what happened the other week, but the point I'm, I'm rambling here, but the point I was trying to get round to was that they need to go into that. Uh, break on the back of an upturn, don't they? Because um, you know, uh, there's been enough kind of heavy defeats recently. So to go into that month uh, on on the back of further disappointment is going to be really, really deflating, and 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 it's not going to do anything for Hamden Cup semi final ticket sales either, which. There's another issue that uh, wasn't exactly boosted by the weekend's result. Yeah, I wouldn't put them on sale this Monday. Let's put it that way. No, no, no. Well, I've uh, I mean. Uh, not to go, not to go overboard here, right? But is it ever acceptable for a man, for an Aberdeen manager to go and to take that manner of hammering? You know, it's it's you know, yes, the score it was four one, but you know the the way they played, the amount of chances they had, it could have been it could have been real far worse. Yeah, yeah, and I, I suppose we should be thankful it wasn't far worse because people will quickly forget that it was four one going on seven eight nine one because um, that really was the golf. That really was the amount of opportunities they were creating. You know, they had another one ruled off offside. They missed the penalty kick. Uh, and they had, obviously, chance after chance after chance after chance. Uh, I have very strong memories of Jimmy Caldwell taking a, a team to Ibrox in the sort of very early days of his Aberdeen reign. And that had started off really well. And he'd gone mm. to Parkhead on the Tuesday or Wednesday night. And um, we'd gone 2-0 up early on. I proceeded to get an absolute battering for 80 minutes. But it was somehow still clinging on at 2-2. And then John Stewart pops up with a moment of his career, pretty much the only moment of his career, to be honest, um, and scores a last-minute winner at, uh, at Parkhead. And you think we were getting carried away after winning at Motherwell. Well, we were getting hugely carried away because I think that took us almost top. Um, now, we had the game on Sunday, and I'll tell you how big a deal it was. It was a home game for Rangers, yet it was still being carried live by, I think it would have been Satanta at the time. They never carried home games for the old firm unless it was the opening game of the season or right at the end of the season when the title might get decided. But they decided that, you know, this Aberdeen team might be a genuine contender. Um, we weren't. We, we got absolutely torn apart. Again, Calderwood went there... It, it wasn't quite as open from the start, but I think we went 2-0 down after about an hour and then he started chasing it, as Jimmy Calderwood did as a manager, wherever he was. You know, it would be bugles out, 2-3-5, going for it. We ended up losing 5-0. And I remember in the aftermath of that, Willie Miller as director of football, basically saying he had to have a word with Jimmy Calderwood and sort of say, you can't do that as an Aberdeen manager. You might be able to, you know, if at Dunfermline, that might have been okay to take that sort of defeat. You can't go there and lose by that manner, that embarrassing fashion. Which, you know, given had it only been um, a year or two since uh, Ebi Skovdal had left the building and we were taking sevens repeatedly against Celtic, um, it's quite something to say. But I suppose this was all, also Miller trying to stamp his authority into this new regime at Petaudry as well. Um you can give him some credit for thinking that his team can go toe-to-toe, but I, I thought he was severely misjudged as to the quality within the building compared to the quality that he was going up against. Uh, that's what I would say generously. 
Um, I, I, I think he. Some people have already made up their mind. You have to. You have to accept that. Some people have decided quite a while back that um, this is just a, another misstep by the chairman and that uh, Jim Goodwin is all mouth and no trousers. I don't think that's fair um, because I think there have been enough positive signs so far this season um, that, of things you can point to. Um, and whereas under Stephen Glass, at around the same time frame, 25-26 league games in, um, it was falling apart on many, many different levels. But there's been enough here to believe in. There's enough things also to get worried about. Don't get me wrong. Defensively in particular, uh, lessons are still not being learnt. But um, there are some things there to, to still get excited about. And hopefully that's not derailed by what was an absolute shellacking on Saturday. I agree with you, Richard, in, your, in that general assessment of the manager. You know, kind of uh, flawed, and nobody's, you know, nobody's thinking that we've got the next Pep Guardiola here. But uh, there's enough to like, there's enough to buy into and get excited about. Um, when he spoke after the game last night, he was talking about the different approach that he'd had when he took Aberdeen to Ibrox last season, and it was the one-nil defeat and pretty negative, didn't offer very much. Um, yeah, and and that was that was pretty bleak. I suppose what you take from it is that you know he he isn't completely wedded to one playing philosophy and and one style. You know, even if it looked it yesterday. In fact, now that I think about it, you think, well, if you were that pragmatic last time around, why could you not switch to that one um, nil up? But you know, listen, we're all smart asses in hindsight, aren't we? But um, yeah, listen, I I, I don't. Uh, wasn't running around last night, uh, you know, good one out or, or taking it seriously, any of that kind of stuff. Just as I just as I don't get particularly carried away when when we had the two or three good results that we that we enjoyed, you know. Um, let's just see how it pans out. I also think January is going to be really re- revealing in terms of Dave Cormack's ambition for the second half of the season. He will be looking at next season's Conference League group. Uh, group stage full, basically, basically doing what Hearts have just done. Um, I mean, I think what are they taking in three point nine million from mm-hmm. from yeah. from Europe? I mean, that is big money as as far as uh, uh, clubs of of, of our level are, are are concerned. So, Cormac will 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 bust a gut. You would like to think to to get his hands on some of that, um, but it ain't going to happen without reinforcements in January because. Um, uh, hearts have got a better squad, not but not by much. I'm not bowled over my hearts, but um, you know we're, we're talking here in the back of them winning at Ross County, which I think would be a result that we would be chuffed with on a normal Saturday, let alone coming off the back of a European win. Yeah, listen, I thought with Hearts the opportunity uh, was in the first half of the season, whilst yeah. they were still being overloaded with the European games, and that's obviously yeah. been exacerbated by what's quite a lengthy injury list there. And I, I don't know what it is tonight. We're maybe one point ahead of them right now, um, which is not really the, the sort of gap Ooh. we were hoping maybe for. Maybe two, is it, is it two? Maybe? Uh, I haven't looked at a table after today's results, to be fair. Uh, I haven't looked at a table after yesterday's uh, because I was a bit too uh, pissed off. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I, 
I thought the most surprising thing about yesterday's naivety, I suppose you could say, it, it was brave, I suppose, as some people might say, I think others would call it naivety, was that this is not a manager who's new to this league. This is not a manager who could be surprised by the strength and the money that has been spent on the opponents yesterday. This is a guy who's been in Scottish football for, what, 20, 25 years. So, again, it's a sort of, sort of set up, sort of worry-free approach to yesterday that you might have expected if we'd hired someone from the continent. I, I just, mm. yeah, strange, strange that he, he uh, but, but as I say, belief in your own squad and the ability of your own squad is great, but I think you, uh, un- you underestimate the, the threat of your opponent at your peril. Yeah, and as Michael, as Richard, as Richard mentioned there, though, we talk about the no, the manner of the defeat and things like that. It meant we weren't even able to enjoy the inevitable um, VAR awarding a penalty to Rangers and subsequent miss. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We, we were grateful for it rather than enjoying it, weren't we? Um, I, I must admit, I kind of just assumed that uh, Tavernier would score it, and uh, uh, yeah, we were looking at five one, weren't we? And there was a goal disallowed. Um, uh, yeah. Rightly, rightly, the Morelos goal disallowed. Um, yeah, yeah. Listen, I mean, the, I, I don't think if it had gone to five, certainly five, and it could have gone to six or or seven. Uh, I'm not sure. Have we ever lost by more than five to Rangers? And I, I know we did back in the in the you know in the sixties or seventies or whatever, early seventies. But I, I don't remember. I know we've taken some hell of a beatings of Celtic, but. Well, there was, a five, there was a five under McInnes, and there was definitely a five under Scovedale as well. Yeah, I don't think they've gone beyond five, um, <laughs> which is great, eh? <laughs> it was a six, six under McNeil, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, sorry, I, you, I, I, you, that's I, too far back, is it? It's before you. That's book, too far back. So well, no, far I know, back. I, exactly. Yeah, yeah. My, my book is the beginning of the modern <laughs> uh, No, no, I know, I know, I know. They, they, put, they have put uh, six or. Uh, six passes in the past, but not not kind of in the remotely in the kind of modern era, I would say. Yeah, that's how we define things as well. It's like BG and AG before Grant <laughs> and after Grant. That's the, the sort of... <laughs> I like I like where you're coming from, Max. <laughs> well, well, we've, we've managed to lighten the, we've managed to lighten the tone. I think a, a bit more there. So we'll, well, I think we'll draw the line under that game. Um, we're now going to move on to our what is the will be the second edition of our what is going to be our new regular feature and um, it's called the north our northern light moments uh, last week richard opened opened the segment with um discussing that ian jess goal at ibrox um so we've got so michael is michael's going to give us his one this week and now just if you're not familiar familiar with what richard said last week it can be a moment it can be a game it could be a goal it can simply be a feeling it could be anything that you know just makes you feel makes you makes the heart swell Makes makes no makes you happy about Aberdeen Football Club. So, um, Michael Grant, the floor is yours. Yeah, well, guys, I, I've only got uh, one uh, item from last week to go by in terms of what you were looking for for this. So, uh, forgive me, but um, I'm I'm not going to go give you a goal or or one of Willie Miller's iconic cup lifts or something from Gothenburg or even anything from the Fergie era. I'm going to give you a sound. It's a deep, raw, primal roar of excitement and expectation that about 20,000 of us made. It was a sound from Hamden's West End, West Stand, yes, West Stand, that's that's what it's called, 
when Theo Snelder saved that penalty from Anton Rogan at the end of the 1990 Scottish Cup final. Now, for a bit of context, Rangers had won the league, Aberdeen had come second, and Celtic were a distant fifth. Celtic had been so poor that they needed to win the Cup final to get into Europe the following season. We were trying to win the Cup for the first time since Fergie. The Cup final itself was garbage. 120 goalless minutes. None of us will ever get back. But it became the first Scottish Cup final ever to go to penalties, and the shootout was truly extraordinary. It's some of the highest drama you'll ever watch as a Dons fan, and thankfully, it is all captured on YouTube. And I mean, the climax of the, the, the penalties are all captured on YouTube with Jock Brown's commentary. Now, Celtic uh, took the first, uh, or went first in the shootout, and uh, Darius Jakinowski missed the very first kick. Jim Betts scored for us, Peter Grant for them, Bobby Connor for us, Paul McStay for them, Hans Hillhouse for us, made it 3-2, Tommy Coyne scored. So it's 3-3, uh, but we have the advantage because um, they've missed one. Brian Grant then misses, so it's all square. Mick Galloway makes it 4-3 to Celtic. Now, this is the last penalty before the sudden death. Charlie Nicholas steps up. The first moment of massive drama in the shootout. Um, if Nicholas had missed, we would have lost the cup final uh, 4-3 on penalties. Now, Charlie Nicholas was known to be leaving the club uh, that that summer for Celtic. Um, so he was under incredible pressure and uh, you know, it would have become persona non grata with the Aberdeen support forever if he'd missed. He, he, scored a, he scored a great penalty. He didn't celebrate much, but it didn't matter. It was a moment of class, and he took us into sudden death. Joe Miller makes it 5-4 to Celtic. Alec McLeish scores five each. He's clearly mightily relieved about that, says Jock Brown in the commentary. Derek White scores 6-5. Stuart McKimmy scores six each. Brown again. This is really quite remarkable. The quality of penalty taking has been outstanding. Paul Elliott scores for Celtic 7-6. David Robertson scores for us 7 each. Jackie Dakinovsky for Celtic 8-7. And this is when it gets really interesting again. Jock Brown's commentary. The next penalty will be taken by the youngest player on the field, 19-year-old Graham Watson. Now, I was behind that goal that day and I remember watching some of the Celtic players coming out of the centre circle and going over to their support and encouraging them to boo Watson as he walked up to take his kick. They knew that this could be the moment. He was a young kid. Watson had only come on for the last 15 minutes of the of extra time. Graham Watson scores eight each. You have to hand it to the young man. A little smile appears on his face, says Jock Brown in the commentary. Now, at this point, Watson was the fifth Aberdeen player to score when when missing would have cost us the cup. I mean, that is pressure. So then we get into Antoine Rogan placing the ball down. Now, Snelders has seen all this going on with the Watson and the, the Celtic players and Celtic support. He turns to us, and you see him on the on the coverage, on the footage, turning, winding up his arms to get us to make a racket. Jock Brown, the Aberdeen fans, trying to make life difficult for Antoine Rogan. Rogan runs up. He hits it. It's not a bad penalty. Hits it low to Snelders' left. Not the worst penalty you've ever seen. Snelders gets down, gets a hand, pushes it. And this is the moment. This is the absolute peak of this footage. There's this little pause between the ball going past the post and the 20,000 of us behind that goal. And I know there was other uh, thousands more Aberdeen fans on the ground, but I'm talking about the guys, the, the, the fans behind the goal. There's a pause between the save and them reacting to it. And what a roar it is. Honestly, it will 
it will um, send a shiver up your spine. Go and watch it on the YouTube. You'll have seen it before. Go and watch it again. I watch it about half a dozen times a year. I can't go long without watching it. Um, Jock Brown says, and it's a magnificent save from Theo Snelders. It might win the cup for Aberdeen. Rogan's got his head in his hands. He's, he's, he had a face built for crying, to be fair. Uh, and, and this was his moment when he did it. Brian Irvin steps up. Brian Irvin has the task of winning the cup, says uh, Jock Brown. He scores 9-8. Another roar, but to be honest, a different kind of roar. One that we maybe expected. We maybe knew this was coming. This was going to be the moment. It didn't quite match the, the sheer drama, the sheer emotion of that reaction to the Snelder save. And then that was it. Alec McLeish is holding up the cup, our seventh Scottish Cup win, and tragically, painfully, the last um, and the most recent one uh, until obviously this May when um, uh, this season's captain Anthony Stewart will be lifting the cup. And um, that's my submission for the second and here we go's Northern Lights collection. It's it's the Don supports roar at the nineteen ninety Scottish Cup final. And that's why they pay you the big bucks. Thank you wow. very much, Michael. <laughs> well, I hope it uh, hope it does the job. It certainly does it for me because honestly, I do. I genuinely go and find that every uh, every <laughs> few months and make myself feel a bit better about life. <laughs> yeah, every time you get knocked out of the Scottish Cup since. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's there's so many moments that isn't it? That, um, because yeah, you've got Graham Watson, you've got the Celtic players coming out of the centre circle trying to get their crowd up, and it's only Watson's third game for Aberdeen, yeah. and he only played. Yeah. 2021 games um you know he'd uh came off off the bench a couple of weeks before for his first appearance played at parkhead in a 3-1 win in the last league game and he's picked to come off the bench in that cup final towards the end of the first half and extra time and there's another uh, teenager on the bench alongside him who doesn't get the nod that day to come off and he and jess um mm. but yeah so so for watson to be given that responsibility because it must have been in Alex Smith's mind, because he came off of Paul Mason with a bit quarter of an hour to go, and you would have thought in those situations that you would have kept uh, kept Mason on for the probability of penalty kicks at that point, but no, the faith he had in Graham Watson, and for him to then right. step up, score, and of course Theo tries to get the Aberdeen support up in the same way the Celtic supporters, uh, Celtic players had done, and uh, uh, George Smith, I think it was, referee that day, um, <laughs> admonishes him for that, which only makes us lighter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Magnificent. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. sadly, yeah. too long ago. Yeah, God, what was I? I was about 21 at the time, and you thought, now I'm about 98, sort of thing, you know? And it's, uh, you just, I mean, you know, you're not too cocky, but you don't think you're going to have to wait. What is it now? What's the run up since winning the cup? 30. Oh, it's going to be 32 perfect, years. Yeah. And that, 32 cup, years. that cup win was obviously our fifth success in eight years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, on balance, I, I, I'm convinced the 80s and 90s were more more enjoyable as an Aberdeen supporter than they are now. I know it's controversial, but I'm that's I'm, I'm hanging that out there. Well, maybe maybe that could be maybe you could um, add that because that could be chapter well, volume two of your two of your next book or something. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, post post Fergie era would might be a bit of a slimmer volume. Yeah. <laughs> Listening to that, I mean, certainly certainly if you want to do a book on the on that cup final, I'll, I'll you've got you've got one sale here anyway. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's one. One will do. So, anyway, well, thank you for that. Thank you for that, Michael. Just before we wrap up, we're going to quickly just discuss um, the upcoming game. Obviously, we have Hibs Friday night football is back at Pitodri, uh, Richard. Um, 
as we mentioned earlier, we've got Hibs, we've got Livingston, and we've got Dundee United. Two home games there. Um, three pretty important games before the, the break for the World Cup, just to try and get some momentum. Um, as Michael had said earlier, you want to go into the, they want to go into that with you know with your kind of their tails up and a good set of results. Given that we know the first two game games back are obviously Celtic and Rangers. Yeah, and we can't really afford to look any further than the first, which I know is football and cliche 101, but there it is, it's true. Um, because this is a Hibs side who, who have gone back ahead of us at the weekend, who I still don't think are up to that much. In fact, you could argue that um, Hibs and Aberdeen have uh, very closely mirrored each other in the last few seasons. Um, you know, they both get rid of a manager who um, was very familiar with Scottish football um, and had them up at the right end of the table and at the... Um, the last four of uh, the cup competitions and finals of cup competitions, but couldn't quite get over the line quite as often as their support would like. Uh, they then go completely left field to a an experienced coach, both of them, and in both cases it turns out to be an absolute failure. And um, now they both have guys who, who've got a reason, fairly young, but with a reasonable CV behind them and a reasonable amount of experience, and they both had quite a lot of money spent on the squad. Um, so, you know, you're looking at rivals for finishing third. You've got Hibs, you've got Hearts, and uh, hopefully we can put ourselves right in amongst it with a win on Friday night. We are playing well at home. Um, we have to hope that the confidence after Saturday hasn't been dented too badly and that we can bounce back in a similar manner to the way in which we bounced back after the Tanadice victory. Um, you know, I'd, I'm... Clearly, as Michael said earlier, I, I, I wouldn't be particularly expecting nine points out of nine from those three games. It would be a great fill-up uh, to, to what was a bruising weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah. listen, I mean, uh, as Richard uh, mentioned there, I mean, the home form has been uh, terrific. The results have been have been solid. Even the defeat to Mother, there was a couple of goals in that. Against, again, the defending let us down. Um, yeah, you're looking for a reaction, basically, aren't you? You're looking for... Um, not not an apology to the support because that sounds uh, but you know conceited but um, you're looking for a response and, and, and giving something back to the to the fans uh, who who suffered so much at Ibrox. Um Hibs had just lost three in a row and then they they beat um, they beat St Mirren pretty comfortably the other day. Martin Boyle came off injured. Don't know the extent of that. Um, I know he tends not to. Perform particularly well against Aberdeen, but let's be honest, we'd rather not face him than, than face him. Um, yeah, listen, uh, Richard's Richard's bang on that. You know, you could you could um, cover these two teams with a blanket over the last few seasons in terms of how close they've been, in terms of their, their ups and downs. You know. But you know, even this season, we had the game on Saturday. They they're not long off of taking six at Parkhead. Have you seen much of them this season, Michael? I haven't. No. Uh, in fact, the only time, the only game I've been at was our game at Easter Road, um, when I was too boiling with anger to, <laughs> and, and uh, crying to, uh, to, to, to really to really tell you who, what what I was up to, you know. Um, and uh, of course, even, even that game was kind of you know, it's it hard to judge wasn't it, because of the red card. You know, and, well, it's um, an easy hook for the manager to put things on that red card, but again, almost yeah. similar to the game at the weekend, that was a game in which we scored first and then didn't really do anything oh. else in the attacking sense uh, for the rest Absolutely. of the game. No, exactly, no, no reaction at all. I mean, you're um, you know, you're you're thinking, God, this is uh, this is the ideal start, and um, a bit a bit too many of that in the last season or two. Obviously, we had it last season at the, the model 
cup tie as well for Pat, didn't we? You know, you, you get a goal and then you just nothing happens from it. You know. I mean, Michael, you you, you said there that um, you know you don't expect him to come out with some sort of like an apology, kind of the kids say sorry to the fans, sort of thing. Um, is that you giving us an exclusive that you don't have an interview <laughs> lined up with Anthony Stewart this week? <laughs> Actually, it's funny you should say that. But it's funny you should say that because uh, I did speak to Anthony Stewart after the game. Uh, <laughs> along with uh, three or four of the other boys um, uh, uh, for tomorrow's newspapers. And, um, uh, yeah, he's a pretty confident fella, Anthony Stewart. I'll say that for him uh, up front, uh, you know, face-to-face. He's, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't mean that in any kind of loaded, he's a cocky sword or anything like that. He's, uh, but, yeah, he's not, he's not short self-belief, Anthony Stewart. I'll say that for our captain. Well, there we have it. Well, now I'm going to have to buy the paper now, aren't I? <laughs> well, that that is the that is the general idea. <laughs> uh, no, listen. He he just spoke. He spoke. Uh, he spoke reasonably well about um, not uh, not letting the result affect the confidence of the the team because they are full of. Sort of you know, listen. Um, you can take with a pinch of salt what players say after. After a performance like that, but he certainly looked like he, he meant it and he believed it. Um, and the, the proof the proof will be in the pudding, won't it? Let's let's see how we play against Hubs. I mean, yeah, I think apologies and all that are nonsense. But was was a contrition at all yesterday in the guys you spoke to, or a contrition? Um... No, I wouldn't have said that. Listen, it was only Mike, Anthony Stewart was the only player that uh, did media duties, as far as I'm aware. Um, right. Okay. Uh, and um, no, no, mostly he was fine. There was nothing, uh, nothing wrong with his tone. Um, but uh, no, I mean, Richard, if you're asking, was he down on his hands and knees begging my forgiveness <laughs> as an Aberdeen fan? Uh, a, he wouldn't know me from Adam, and B, no, he wasn't. Yeah, I just thought he might be a bit uh, sheepish, if you excuse the pun. <laughs> uh, no, no, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say sheepishness would come. No, clearly not. not. If you, if you, if you reckon he's a confident boy, so yeah, he's a, he's a confident boy. I'll give him that. Uh, and he seemed to think. Uh, I said to him, obviously Aberdeen. I didn't say we because that would be unprofessional. I said uh, obviously Aberdeen play the old firm back to back at Petardry just before Christmas. Well, you know, will it be a different? Ball game in, in there, and he, he absolutely leapt on that. Absolutely, of course it will, with our fans behind us, etc., etc. So, um, yeah, listen, as I say, you take it, take it with a pinch of salt if you like. But um, he's whatever flaws you may think Anthony Stewart carries through life, a lack of self confidence is not one of them. Well, there we we'll have it. That's um, that will end, will end the end the podcast there, um, Michael. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. You've you've almost made discussing the game yesterday enjoyable. Um, it's, been, it's been an absolute pleasure, and your Northern Night moment wonderful. Thank you, thank you so much for coming on once again. Uh, no problem. Thanks, guys. Anytime, and uh, here's to a happier, uh, happier chat next time. Yes, uh, and good luck in this year's quiz, obviously. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, I must get down to that actually. <laughs> you have to, you'll have to remember, Richard. No questions on the the nineteen ninety Scottish Cup final, please. <laughs> oh yes, because you know anything that I might know about, let, let's steer them away from that. Exactly, I want to win again. <laughs> <laughs> again, again, oh, uh, uh, dear. This is what I'm up against. Is, is, is there VAR? Is there some sort of VAR system to, to, to double check this corruption that goes on?
<laughs> Yours and Mark's bitterness is just what keeps me warm at night, I can assure you. <laughs> well, the accusation be, of cheating. There will be more of that, don't, don't you worry. Good. Well, th- once again, thank you very much. Obviously, Richard, thank you very much as well. We'll um, we will be put. Well, I suppose we now we'll have to come back next week. We've got we've put a run together. Um, so yeah, after Friday night football against Hibs, um, we'll be back with the podcast next week, hopefully, um, just with a with a, something a bit brighter to to talk about. Uh, but until then, come on, you Reds. <laughs> <laughs>